0: From the Terraces on Cambridge 105
1: Radio. Well, a good afternoon and welcome to another edition of From the Terraces. It's Daniel Baker in for Tim Armitage this weekend. And I've got Mex in the studio as well. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon. Happy to be here.
1: Glad to have you here as well. So we've got a very busy show coming up today. We've got Cambridge United's 4-0 win against Carlisle United. That'll be today's real talking point. A fantastic win for Neil Harris. His biggest since he came into the U's in December And we've got all the reaction from Neil Harris and Mex as well. We'll be talking about that. What a result. Complete performance, really, in many ways. Cambridge City, though, didn't fare so well. They lost to Sporting Cal. so they were 1-0 up, but lost 2-1. Another defeat, another late goal. Getting the thoughts of Neil Midgley later in the show as well. They've got a bit of an injury crisis as well. And, of course, last week they were hit with the news that the Sauston Stadium move is going to be delayed again. So not uh, the best of news, really. Histon, though good result for them 1-0 win over Ainsbury their first league win of 2024 but Chris Nunn has been quite candid about the cup being their priority we'll be hearing from him later in the show as well but he's been having a chat with Darren Marjoram as well the Cambridge United women's manager he's been talking about a busy period coming up for the club Uh, two games two season defining games actually in many ways we've got the game against Sudbury in the week and then Barnsley in the plate next weekend the cup game and if they win that they're in the final of the competition Nice for a club to get to a major final, without a doubt. And a feature on Pledge United as well. A partnership between Cambridge United and Inspire. I've been along to the final session in that. At the, towards the end of the show, you'll be hearing more about this partnership and what it's trying to achieve. A very, very important cause. Salim was involved in it as well. If you want to be involved in today's show, you can. It's 07919 70490 Or you can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. Cambridge 105 Radio, across the city and South Cambridgeshire. And you're listening to From the Terraces, the weekly football show which has all the news, reaction and big stories from our local teams. And we'll of course start where we usually start and that is Cambridge United. So, as you were hearing a moment ago, Cambridge United swept aside. Carlisle United 4-0 yesterday, meaning the fans who travelled all that way to Cumbria were rewarded for their dedication. Tim and Matt among them. Sully so Kakai's sweet right-footed opening efforts opened the scoring on 14 minutes and then after the break, the U's got the job done. late owned goal from Sam Lavelle, Elias Kuchunga headed three minutes later and Liam Bennett's strike sealed the U's biggest win since Neil Harris came in. So, Max, want to get your thoughts on this, really. What a result, first of all.
2: Yeah, it was a good result. Um, I, I personally thought it was a bit of a strange game because obviously it was a convincing win, but the I don't think the opposition were a threat, to be honest, uh, despite having 63% possession and Cambridge United only having 37%. But it was a crazy game where we had five shots on target and we scored four goals. So like you said, um, you could see from the start of the game Carlisle, their confidence was really, really down, just being bottom of the table and they needed something to go their way. So, for instance, the soft penalty <laughs> that they tried to get right at the start. don't know if you can remember where yeah, the striker do, yeah. went yeah. down. And um, early on, I think the game might have changed and gone maybe. Sl- I-, I think Cambridge United would have still won um, but it might have been tighter if that had happened and they had got the penalty and went 1-0 up. Um, but I personally thought all the goals were easy for Cambridge United. Uh, The first one was well taken by Sully Kaikai, like you said, Um, but really there was no real challenge on him and he took it really well. Um, The second one, (laughs) I, I personally thought that was a calamity error by the goalkeeper. I mean
1: it's comical but it's also you also feel a bit bad for the guy as well would yeah. you yeah you do feel a bit bad for him actually as well yeah exactly I'm so if he were the goalkeeper you'd definitely feel a bit oh embarrassed, definitely yeah. definitely but
2: it, it obviously he must be a goalkeeper a good goalkeeper to play in, in league 1 but when you look to that you you kind of looked like he can catch a fish to be honest like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, love, I, love that. I love that I haven't heard that metaphor for quite yeah, some time actually it's like I've heard catch a cold but yeah, not catch, catch a fish yeah catch a fish that's, honestly the way, he,
2: the... the way he just flapped at the ball and yeah. then hit the hit the defender and went in it was a bit yeah it was a bit funny and then the third one I, I thought um, the Carlisle defence just made Taylor look like Mbappe to be honest it was so easy how he got into space and then had the time to use his outside of his right foot to pass it to Kachunga who had the whole box to himself he must have thought Christmas come early again and <laughs> it was just so easy um, and I particularly like the celebrations where um, Kachunga was on the floor and then Taylor went and slid in and then Kachunga went back down on the floor and they hugged that was quite nice and then everyone else joined back in so I thought that was good so it's it's showing the cele- uh, solid- I can never say the word Solidarity. Solidarity. Solidarity, yeah. Um, and, yeah, just the team confidence and the morale is building, which is really, really good for Cambridge. Um, and then, yeah, the fourth goal from Liam Bennett, that, again, was too easy. It yeah. just looked like men versus boys. I mean, the way he just held the defender down and just headed it, um, that was, yeah, just too easy for me. Um, but I did think Cambridge United could have scored a few more goals. Like, for instance, at the end, Adam May, um, number 19.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Neil Harris will talk about this in his post-match. We'll play that shortly. He'll be alluding to this a bit later on, how actually four wasn't enough. He was perhaps a tad disappointed. We'll find out more about that in a moment moment or two. But but this this will be really good for the confidence, of course. Liam Bennett, of course, the centre-back getting a goal. He's talked about how he wants to get everyone involved in attacks, and he's seen that with Danny Andrew getting the goal against Portsmouth, the header. That sort of thing everybody chipping in and trust as well building he's sort of f- saying that you know people are executing his game plans better now as well. he's perhaps getting through to the players as to what he expects from them mm-hmm. and what he wants, and actually, with a busy month coming up, you know so many games coming up between now and the end of the month, um, if they hadn't won yesterday I think we would have been saying it was a missed opportunity, wouldn't we?
2: Oh, 100 percent it, it was it was a needed needed win. Um, obviously, it's bottom of the table, so sometimes you can take it for granted and think, "Oh, we're going to go away with three points anyway." Um, but it was a needed win. Um, looking at the fixtures coming up, and obviously as part of that, which you'll probably allude to, we've got the Bolton game coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, the, ba- well. the one that was abandoned, the one, yeah, the,
1: the, uh, the, the one where they were. Uh, attacking the shallow end, <laughs> to, yeah. start, to start with. And, uh, so, have you play, have to start all that all over again, I think, yeah. like that as well. So, I think yeah. will, so,
2: stipulate you have to start all over again. Exactly. So, just quickly, so I, I actually went to that game with Salim, and, like you say, it got abandoned after seven minutes, and it was just crazy, because the rain pour just came from nowhere. It just started raining, and then you see the referee thinking about it and thinking about it, and then as soon as he stopped the game you just knew it'd be called off and then the fact that they delayed it for 10 minutes and then they delayed it for another 10 minutes and 10 minutes and we were just sitting there and i turned around to salim and said this is going to be off um but i just felt so sorry for the bolton fans traveling all that way
1: oh yeah and there was I, the one from china as well came oh, that way too so yeah.
2: Like, yeah i wonder if they're coming back from china for this game as well, <laughs> <laughs> well
1: that would be very we'd, we'd, uh, top marks for doing that exactly. we'll, we'll talk more about carlisle shortly yesterday's game of course a 4-0 win absolutely emphatic um, no doubt about that. So let's hear the thoughts of Neil Harris and then Max and I will chat a bit more about the game. Let's hear what the, the boss had to say.
3: Well, Neil, that was about as perfect an away performance as you could possibly wish for today. Yeah, obviously, clean sheet,
4: you know, it's vitally important. Four goals, um, you know, please. And, and, and ultimately, let's be honest, Doug, it could have been six or seven, couldn't it? You know, I had the chance at the end. We had so many balls in the box. The counter-attack, we were excellent. And, and you know, the boys are disappointed. They've not, not scored more goals. Um, but... Yeah, look. Off the back of a week, we've had two disappointing oh. results. Uh, Portsmouth was a really good performance, but but disappointing result. And and, and, and ultimately, it was the Cheltenham result last week that was was the kick in the proverbials for us because you know we didn't deserve to lose the game. So you know you end up chasing a little bit. People start looking too far in advance and start looking at the fixtures that are coming. Um, so we, we felt today was really vital to get the points and um, you know strong performance gives
3: everyone a lot of belief and confidence. You, you said in the build-up that you thought that. Carlo would start fast, they would start aggressive because it's exactly how they played. How, how well do you think your side managed that in that opening 15 minutes or so? Well,
4: the first seven minutes, we, we, we're a very poor version of ourselves. Um, um, I, I think sometimes you have to give credit to the opponent. And they come out all guns blazing. I, I really felt today, um, I really felt that Carlo had to win the game You know, to have any thought of process of catching us or anyone else around them. Um, so we knew they were going to start fast. Um, just got the message on to the boys at about seven minutes, just to say calm down, just relax. And there's enough experience in the team, just 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 to settle a little bit. And, and we did. And obviously the goal certainly helps. Um, um, for once, once the first goal winning, it was it was very very one sided. said to the lads, it, we can't get caught up in the modern day thought process of the the team that has to dominate the ball has to win a game of football. You know that's not the case. You know. I, I sometimes we have to look at ourselves and go, what, what. You know, what can we be to, to get a result? Sometimes we need to dominate the ball, i.e. against Burton at home, we couldn't quite break them down. And other times, like today, um, you know, just because they're, they're the bottom of the league, the opponent, you have to give them the respect that they, they play total football and and you have to try and counter that and, and I thought the shape today was very, very good. The
3: first goal when it came, brilliantly worked and
4: brilliantly finished by Salik Kaikai as well. It was, yeah, it was a really good finish. Um, obviously, I had to think about off the back of Saturday, Tuesday, um, you know, a little dent in confidence for the group, you know, a lot of minutes for the lads um, you know, picking the team today and, and you know, was Soleil, like, do we go again with him or do we give him a breather? You know, since he started every game since I've yeah. been here. Um yeah, just felt just felt the spaces would open up for him um, to make to make an impact and
3: it was a really good first goal, um, re- really good move and a great finish. And I don't we say it regularly enough, but how important was it to go into the break with with that advantage preserved? Well, it was by talks after the first seven minutes. I think I think they had a couple of pot shots from sort of 30
4: yards, and, and I think one header. The that, that, that Jack saves um, comfortably above his head. Other than that, you know, we, we didn't feel they were in our penalty area, um, let alone near our goal. So, you know, it was important to get in with the clean sheet mentality. Um, then the second half, we knew they'd come fast again, and, and for 10 minutes they did. And and again, all I'd say in that 10 minutes is, is we turned the ball over a little bit too cheaply. Um, but, but once we got the second goal, that, that was—you can see the confidence drain out of the opponent, and, and, and the belief growing us. And, and you know, to go get the third and fourth, you know, is it, it, pleasing. You know, it takes the pressure right off, and he can make your subs and rest people and protect people. Um, but then the disappointment for, for someone like Ads, for example, you know, he's been patient to get his chance, and you know, he's clean for and goal and he's disappointed he hasn't scored. But no, that's what we want—we want that disappointment.
3: We want people to have those standards. Yeah, obviously, the second goal, as you mentioned, it was key to get that that, that cushion. It was unfortunate, really, in terms of how Carl conceded it, but, but then the third goal comes soon enough after that, and you've been talking a lot about the, the boys at the top end of the pitch being creative and putting their chances away, and they've answered your call today.
4: Well, that's it. Yeah, not just the boys at the top end of the pitch, but Ryan Bennett as well. And and that's when I, I, I talk and people must think, oh, he's talking the same old rubbish. But when I talk about we defend as a team, attack as a team, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. Moments like that, he, he, even at 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, you know, it's important that the centre-riles play their part. You know, stat, stats are important for us to score goals and goal differences is important. And, and, you know, I'm delighted for centre-riles. like... Right, uh, Danny Andrew the other night to get on the score sheet. He nearly scored a great free kick today. Ryan Bennett to get on the score sheet. Michael Morrison could have scored a header today. You know that that is vital that we have, we have those moments. Um, James Gibbons I think had three shots. You know from, from outside the box. You know we want to be a team that attacks as
3: a team and defends as a team. Yeah, Ryan Bennett as I say, I mean his first goal for the club after 50 odd appearances. But have to just mention the ball in from Sully Kaiko I mean not only that, and he goal but he's had a magnificent afternoon and he's playing some brilliant football under you now. He is, yeah, and he's playing with confidence
4: and belief and, and, you know, whether he plays off the right or plays off the left or I play him down the middle, um, like he did at Oxford, you know, he, he's performed really well and what, what we have to accept with Soleil, with Jack, with Elias, with Lyle, with Maka to a certain degree, um, but with Bros, is that they are attacking players and they are flair players and, and they will have ups and downs during the season and, and during games as well. And, and I try and be patient with those ups and downs, certainly the down moments, but, but they have got moments. Uh, they have got moments and, and um, you know Jack to get an assist and uh, t- to look so good especially on the counter attack um, Soleil to have assists and goals um, but then Bros as well and as, as we're Brose you, you know we, we Gotta get more out of him at the top end of the pitch. He's got to find that confidence and belief in himself. Um, but certainly today that give the group a lot of confidence. Yeah, I know you love a clean sheet, Neil.
3: And that's the icing on the cake for you this afternoon.
4: Yeah, it is, and it, it's vital, as I spoke about goal difference, but also the confidence in the group, you know, to, to, to notice that, you know, we've had to be really disciplined and, and brave in our shape and, and Give up a lot of the ball in the opponent's half, um, but the importance is where you give up the ball against Portsmouth. We talked about not giving up the ball in the middle of the pitch and and you know trying to get a little bit of higher press. Today I wasn't concerned about them having the ball in front of us. Um, you know, so the clean sheet was important for the back four, um, you know, important for the goalkeeper, and and. You know, just as a team, again, just, just go back to that belief. And, and, you know, the defenders we did as a group, you know, was very impressive. Thanks for your Tom Neil. Cheers. Pleasure.
5: Neil, nearly 500 travelling fans. It's a long journey. Uh, they'll be going home very happy.
4: Yeah, and again, the, out of those 500, almost 500, you know, 300 or 400 of them would have been at Portsmouth the other night and, and, and having made the, all of us making the journey, we know how far it is. So I, I'm, I'm delighted for them that they go home happy. I'm delighted for them that they see a, a strong team performance with them without the ball and they see see a performance where, where the players played with pride in wearing the shirt and um, you know, it's, it's a good day for the football club.
5: And I was watching that one from the stand, the talk at the end of the game was it was just really nice to see a team that came, really, really came together right across the pitch. Yeah, it's important you know,
4: when you play against teams. And Bolton to be the same on Tuesday. Bolton are going to be a team that's going to dominate the ball and, and Bolton try and play with 70% possession in games and they're going to dominate the ball on on, on, on Tuesday night and we, we have to accept that and be, and be brave of our approach but accept that we're not going to have the ball. Um, but we have to be connected as a group so it can't be one player pressing the other ten dropping off You know, we, we have to press and drop as a team and, and, and have good shape um, and discipline but that comes with trust as well You know, trust in the work we do at the training ground and on the video analysis but trust in executing a game plan like we said at Portsmouth the other night we look like a really really good team with and without the ball and today we showed that again and a great lead into a busy seven days yes yeah again you know and, and, and I understand a little bit of uh, fear in certainly in the fan base and when they look at the fixtures that are coming up and, and ultimately the Cheltenham game was you know, the, the, the tester for us, that was the one we didn't want to lose because that, that gives you the, the sort of like the, um, the confidence to build and sort of like the gap between um, the relegation places. Um, but you know, today we've rebuilt that. You know, we rebuilt that gap and, and that belief and confidence. And, and we, we look, we've, got, we've, got, we've got four games, four, four games now where we can just go and uh, attack
1: the games um, and enjoy playing against four top six sides. Neil Harris there sharing his thoughts on probably the best performance of his Cambridge United tenure so far since he came in in December. But it's interesting, Max, because he talked about quite early on in the interview about being a poor version of themselves for the first seven minutes. You don't often hear a manager say that when they've just won 4-0. No, but it's it's what I said at the start. Um, I think Carlisle
2: started quite well. um, And you could tell even though they bottom of the table. They, they were up for the game in the first seven minutes and they just needed something to go for them. So that's why I made the point about that soft penalty that they tried to get. Um Because, yeah, um, if they had got that, I think the game would have changed. Um So I don't think Cambridge United... If you look at the stats, like I said, 63% for Carlisle, 37% for Cambridge. Five shots on target uh for Cambridge United um 12 shots in total um and they scored four goals um but Carlisle had something like 20 or something like that but it's it's yeah so I can see where Neil's coming from so Cambridge I don't think were emphatic or great I think it was just they, I feel like they were coasted through that performance and the opposition just weren't a challenge
1: yeah, sometimes that can happen, can't it? Sometimes when we when a team wins convincingly, we're saying, "Well, were the were the were the team good, or were the other ones poor, or was it a mix of both?" But yeah. it does seem to be the a, a combination of those things, perhaps as well. Definitely. But as fans and pundits, what have we learnt from that result?
2: That Cambridge United can beat the teams in and around them. Um, that they do have um, the goals needed um, to hopefully stay up. Um they do hopefully have people like Liam Bennett who can come in and chip in a goal, um, which is really good. Um but yeah, um I think it's just good for the running, um, but not sure you can really learn too much from it again because of the opposition. Yeah, I think I think job done real-
1: though, all the same.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think the test will be the next few games against Bolton, against Peterborough, Stevenage, Northampton, etc., I think that's when we'll be able to tell more about Cambridge United. Um, but I've got to say, I do like that kind of four uh, front four diamond going on with Taylor yeah, it, and
1: yeah, no, that seems to have worked really well. Actually, yeah. I think we had Taylor at uh, sort of spearheading yeah. that really Lancaster Kakai, and then Kachunga is in yeah. this middle one, isn't he? So and they sort of go, ten, yeah, because yeah, I think they have. He has alluded in the past to switching to a back three. He has said he's yeah. not afraid to do that against sort of teams that do the same. But by and large, he's stuck with that system, mm-hmm. and it's worked really well. The sort of is it a four-two-three-one or is it a four-two-four four, sort of? We're <laughs> we talking, are we talking I, FIFA now. Talking, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like I think. It, yeah. It's, it's exactly. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played that. But yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I I think it's a four-one-three-one. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, so four, four, two, three, one. Perhaps would that work? Yeah, but so b- because
2: good. of the diamond, so diamond, you have yeah, the oh four. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have the four. Then you have the, di- the guy sitting in the middle, and then you have the three going across, and then you have one. Across. Okay, yeah, does that make? Yeah, yeah. So, so like a four, one, three, one.
1: Yeah, top, top, yeah so. diamond. Yeah, diamond. Yeah, well, Well, whatever it is, it seems to be getting getting some results anyway. Yes. Uh, How good will it have been for Sully to get a goal as well? No goal in five. I think he's had a bit of a revival under Neil Harris.
2: No, he has. He has, and um, I'm I'm happy for him because he's obviously a guy trying to, excuse me, trying to revive his career. Um, And yeah, he's got three goals, three assists now in 26 matches. Um, Obviously, it would be better if those stats were a bit better but more recently it's shown that yeah he's doing better Um, he's 28 now so it's kind of like now or never for him Um, but when you look at his resume um, someone who started at Palace um, obviously was been on loan with us before on Crawley Shrewsbury he was on loan at Brentford um, where funnily enough I actually met him um, there when he was playing against Brighton Uh, Because a friend of mine was a coach at Brentford at the time. And, uh, yeah, young Sully back in in the day. But, yeah, um, and you could tell then he had the potential. uh, But somehow his career kind of seems stop-start. So I'm hoping he can push on and have a really good end of the season. And then hopefully, yeah, we'll see see what happens with him.
1: Yeah. Let's go back to Neil Harris, though, as well. You can sort of tell there's a slight perfectionist in him uh, as well. So, as there would be with a lot of managers, actually, that, you know, if, if for example, his team's won 4 0, but he's coming out and saying, there are things we could have done better.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but in a way, you want that. Yeah. But I could argue you don't as well because you have to, and I'm sure he knows this because obviously he's an experienced manager, but you have to kind of understand where you are. Um, This is League One. It's not championship. It's not the Premier League. So in terms of League One, there's always going to be really good things, but there's always going to be things you could improve on. Um, So I think it's a constant improvement uh, with Cambridge United. um, But the good things that are happening, such as the right players, um, the right formation, uh, the right momentum, etc., the right morale... I think it's good going forward, so he has to keep that going and then just improve on the little things, uh, like being more clinical, um, taking these performances into the big games and getting the similar results, etc. So, yeah, I think it's more of a... He has to look to improve rather than be a perfectionist with Games United.
1: Yeah, and he talks about the clean sheet mentality quite a lot as well. You know, they've kept... One, obviously and that can only be good it can only do the, the back four and the goalkeeper the world of good in terms of their confidence
2: exactly exactly um, that's why the term you build from the back comes from right yep it certainly does yeah. so, <laughs>
1: and he'll obviously have a lot more trust in the players as well now because obviously you know, he's been in what two months or so now mm-hmm. he's had two months to sort of get his feet under the table look at the players he's got he's added to that squad of course as well mm-hmm. do you think he's got more trust in his players now or do you think he's got more faith that they can execute these game plans that he keeps talking about
2: yeah certainly Um, Certainly. Um, Like I said, I think, and you said, being a perfectionist, he knows that there's areas they have to improve on. Um, Does he have all the players he'd probably want or like he wanted in January transfer window? Probably not. But he's doing a good job with what he has. And I think long may that continue.
1: Yep, three players in, of course, during January. James Gibbons and, of course, Macaulay Bond and Lyle Taylor. So they've added two strikers. That seems to be getting some results, particularly with Lyle as well. That was the quick start that he had after arriving three in the first four as well. James Gibbons finally got out in a shirt last week as well against Portsmouth. Yeah. And, you know, Neil said he liked what he saw. I think he'd been uh, sort of getting up to fitness, James. Um, so again, he's versatile; he can play in sort of either fullback side. I think so. That's given them another option.
2: No, definitely.
1: Um, and Danny Andrew as well is an interesting one too. He's yeah. obviously got the goal against Portsmouth. He was talking in the pre-match press conference about, you know, despite the fact he's, you know, he's, he might only be the, the he might be the only fit left back, but you know, he's still got to earn his right for the to play in the team.
2: Yeah, um, I was actually really impressed with him. Um, he's got a wonderful left foot. Um, if you look at the crosses yeah. he was making and the way he was intercepting and the one that really impressed me was that free kick which um, in the first half where I thought Sully was going to take it from about 30 yards and then yeah Andrew took it and it just went to the side netting but yeah. that could have easily have just snuck in
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's sort of the you know, it's the best goal that never was perhaps yeah just quickly on Jack Lancaster as well. Neil Harris talks a lot about him being an important player as well. Very, very important role to play, and he got an assist yesterday as well. So another, you know, good contribution from him.
2: No, definitely. I think he's been pretty solid. Um, he's he's becoming more and more reliable, and yeah, one of the hopefully one of the first names on the team sheet now. So again, long may it continue, um, and hopefully, yeah, let's hope he gets more assists, uh, more goal contributions, and he has more impact in the
1: team. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much indeed, Max, for that. Uh, more to come uh, from from the Terraces today. We've got plenty more football to discuss. Uh, Cambridge City on the way shortly. We'll talk about Histon as well, and their first one of 2024. Darren Marjoram also uh, joins us to chat about Cambridge United women's uh, prospects at the moment, it's of course, a feature on Pledge United later. If you want to be involved in today's show, you can. It's 07919 070 or you can email studio at cambridge105. And you're listening to From the Terraces with me, Daniel Baker, sitting in for Tim Armitage. So let's talk about City.
6: City.
1: I should mention quickly as well that Neil Harris will be doing a press conference tomorrow ahead of the Bolton game and we'll be bringing you some a reaction or some uh, thoughts from him ahead of that Bolton game on tomorrow's uh, home show with Lucy Milazzo and we'll of course have reaction and coverage of that game throughout the week in our sports bulletins as well but now let's talk about City uh, Cambridge City went down 2-1 against Sporting Calsa on Saturday Will Jones put the Lily Whites ahead on eight minutes but the Lions fought back with two goals either side of the break giving them the victory City still have an eight point buffer above the drop zone though and earlier on I spoke to assistant manager Neil Midgley and began by asking about yesterday's result
7: yeah, I think all defeats are disappointing for us. Um, especially like you say, getting noticed in front. Um, we didn't play particularly particularly well yesterday, um, going forward. Um, but um, so I thought Sporting council were certainly there to be exploited. It's a shame um before before kick off we lost Taylor Parr. Um, he had a crooked neck from from work on Friday and wasn't able to play, so that was a big loss for us. And, and during the game we had to make several substitutions which really dis- disrupted our flow um, so yeah all in all it ended in a disappointing result for us
1: and of course yesterday you only had four players on the bench and obviously when you're making substitutions that can certainly you know eat into that uh, squad I want to ask you about the squad actually how's that looking at the moment and are you on the lookout for anybody new at the moment
7: yeah I think Rob's always on the lookout um, we've certainly got um, a few injuries again at the moment uh, as you say, we had four on the bench. One was a goalkeeper, and um, the midfielder Manny Dae. He wasn't really fit enough to be on the bench, but needs must. We had to use him for 25 minutes at the end. And um, testament to him, he, he managed to soldier through it. But it certainly wasn't ideal. Um, so, um, speak to Rob after. I know he's he's still on the lookout to to improve the squad. Um, and, and take us through to the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and in terms of games at the moment, there's a lot of Saturday games, not many midweek games at the moment. Would you say that's something that's actually helping at the moment when you've got a squad that's kind of down on numbers?
7: Yes, yeah, that does help. Um, one game a week. We've, um, previous years, I know we've had those midweek games and, and you, you, they do take their toll, especially this time of the season, with heavy, heavy pitches. Um, so, yeah, um, one game a week gives us a chance to regroup, get on the training pitch, work on things um, and try and improve for the next week. So, um, yeah, fixtures this year haven't been, been too congested, which has been helpful. been helpful.
1: got to ask you about the next game, Rushland Diamonds, quite a big one coming up actually. They've had quite a well-documented revival and there's 11 points gap between them and yourselves. Would you still consider it a six-pointer though?
7: No, I wouldn't consider it a six pointer just on, on on exactly what that six pointer means. Uh, like you say we're eleven points of Rushton. But it's a game we be we, we should be winning and want to win desperately. Um there's a bit of added spice within the squad. We've got a couple of ex Rushton players. Um and we'll be approaching it like, um we want to go out there and win. I'm sure they will be. Um and put in a good performance with, um The week before at Antity, we showed what we really are capable of, being one of the top teams. So it it should hold no fear for the boys. Um, We've just got to regroup this week, get heads back together and and, and get focused on on Rushton next week.
1: One final thing I want to ask you, Neil, actually as well, is that Robbie spoke to us on this last week's show about the situation at Sawston. The stadium has, my understanding, has been further delayed um, due to some problems that were perhaps not foreseen. Has that situation changed at all in the last week?
7: Not that I'm aware of. We're still... Sort of in a little bit of limbo in terms of the football side of things. Um, obviously, we've been holding out as it's been well documented over the years. Just, just trying to get into the into the stadium. Um, from a club point of view, though, the youth youth teams are playing down there now, which is a big help, and a lot of the girls' teams as well. So um, we're slowly getting there as a football club. But from a from a first team point of view. Um, still very much
1: up in the air well Neil thank you very much indeed for your time and uh, good luck against Rushton next Saturday thank you so Neil Midgley there talking about Cambridge City uh disappointing defeat and makes you never want to concede a late goal in any game do you really
2: no um, no you don't want to concede a late goal um, especially if that goes to a defeat uh, but you could argue when you're winning 2-1 as well and then you concede and it's when you're winning 2-0 and then you concede and it's 2-1 uh, then yeah squeaky bum time really is <laughs> absolutely have you know, to worry it's, but it's, it's just so
1: true as well but you know, it's like,
2: yeah having just played locally um, there has been moments where yeah we've conceded last minute and lost the game and you've just done everything over 90 minutes um, whether you're on top or not and then it's, it's the worst way to to um, lose a game um, ask um, Nigeria um, against Ivory Coast recently. Oh, yeah, AFCON final, yeah. yeah final. Uh,
1: that still hurts, right? <laughs> uh, honestly,
2: I'm, I'm half Nigerian, so yeah, it does still yeah, do hurt. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's an g- extraordinary story, isn't it, really, yeah. with,
1: the, with the winners not having a manager and then you get knocked out in the group stage. Honestly, but that's, 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 that's
2: a different conversation. It's a completely different conversation. It is indeed, but
1: it still hurts to lose, as, as Neil was saying. So. Um, interesting thoughts as well about Sawston. I mean, obviously, like I said, we covered it on last week's show about the mm-hmm. move to Sawston being delayed. That perhaps does Dentmore a little bit because you want to get in there, you want to start playing games, and it's been such a big project. You know, some teams playing there, some not. Um, but obviously, now the focus turns to Rushton uh, next weekend. Rushton themselves have uh, had a bit of a revival. They've started to get some more points on the board. They're still rock bottom, but they're starting to a bit of momentum, but Neil has pretty much dismissed the idea of it being a six-pointer out of hand, really, because there's such a big gap between yeah. uh, the, the teams themselves. But, of course, it's still a must-win game, isn't it, at the end of it all?
2: It is, it is. Um, like, obviously, just I was just looking at the table on 34 points, and we were both just saying, I think, that buffer's good, but I can't really see them getting out of that area. I think they're just going to be in and around between... 14th and 18th between now and the rest of the season um and if you think about it from the start of the season the injuries and the the depleted squad and the man change of manager etc like there's been a lot happening at Cambridge City so I think to be at this point and just steady the ship is good um but yeah I think talk of a six point uh, it's probably right, but I can see why he's dismissing it. He's he doesn't probably, want to talk it up too much. Yeah, yeah he's just trying to avoid it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, of course. No, no, thank you for that, Mix. Um, so, yes, Cambridge City take on Rushton in their next game. Uh, interesting game. That'll be on Saturday of next week. They'll be travelling. I don't think they're still playing at Neen Park, actually, Rushton. But anyway, they're off to Northamptonshire. We'll say that. That covers, covers all bases there. Um, so, let's talk about Histon, shall we? From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio.
6: when we come back, uh, we'll be talking uh, all things history. Out in the country, far from all the subtle noise of the city, there's a village green. It's been a long time since I last set eyes on the church.
1: So, Histon picked up their first league win of 2024 yesterday with a 1-0 victory over Ainsbury Rovers. Danny Gould's first-half header proved to be enough to give the Stutes a victory. I spoke to their manager, Chris Nunn, before the show and started by asking him what, they, what he thought about the game, what they can take away from that with a cup semi-final on the horizon.
0: We, we changed the formation slightly and uh, first half, I thought we were outstanding. Uh, we were one nil up and I'll be honest with you, it could have been 4-5. or five. I thought we totally dominated the first half. And it was probably almost a complete performance. They didn't have a shot on target and we just couldn't get the goals that our play deserved. Um, second half was a bit of a different story. Um, whereas I felt we were probably 95% on top first half. Um, second half I felt it was probably, I probably maybe edged it a little bit possibly. Um, not a lot, there wasn't a lot in it, but they put a lot of pressure on us and took some gambles towards the end of the game. And we just couldn't get the killer second goal, but overall, you know, it was a big win for us. We needed it, and um, yeah, it would give the boys some confidence going forward.
1: You talked on the show last week about turning losses into draws, and actually now you're starting to turn draws into wins.
0: Yeah, it's important, you know, it's important. We had a decent crowd yesterday, I think 230, I was told, after the game. So that was pleasing when you consider where we are at the moment. You know, we're not, you know, let's be honest, we're not in a great place, so and the support has really brought into what we're trying to do. So, you know, massive thank you to them. But it is important to win, and, and clean sheets are massive for us, and, and that's something that we've been working really hard to try and do. So... Like we said, turn you, your you draws into wins and your you defeats into draws. And everything, it's just a it's small baby steps, but it's steps that we're taking. And yeah, the boys seem to really enjoy yesterday.
1: Got to ask you about injuries as well. You were saying recently about how there was a flu virus that swept through your squad, and you had to dip into the under-18s, and many of them stepped up very well, from what you said. How are things looking on that front? Have you got more options now, and people coming back from being poorly?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, number wise, we're sort of doing okay at the moment. Um, Joe Sutton came off injured yesterday. So we'll need to be keeping a close eye on him because that was his first game back from injury. So I feel confident that there's not too many, too much trouble. Uh, but we've got the cup semi-final in, in sort of 10 days. So we don't want to be taking any risk with anyone over the next sort of, you know, before we play that game. So, yeah, but we're OK at the moment. We're doing OK.
1: Slightly left field question now, actually. Um, this is something that one or two people have been asking me recently about sin bins. Because we've had this thing about the blue cards recently in football. Is this something that's still in operation yeah. in your league? And if so, what do you think of them?
0: It's it's a it's a real tough question. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder at Arsenal, and I don't feel it would be appropriate at the top level. That's my just my opinion. Um, having been at Step Three um, managing for probably sort of ten, twelve years, again, I'm not quite sure. Um, it feels quite appropriate. I think there's almost a, a place for it at almost sort of like under 23's level or maybe at our level maybe it's not too bad to try and get players to understand that they get a second chance if they say something wrong or you know they don't quite conduct themselves properly they, they get simmed in for 10 minutes i do kind of understand that um but uh, I'm, not, I'm not a great lover if i'm being honest
1: okay now let's go back to uh stuff on the field uh easington sports is your next game on saturday what kind of a game are you expecting from them
0: yeah, it's a tough game. I think they're just sort of on the outskirts of the top ten. Um, it's a team that we've got sort of in our radar a little bit, you know, we, I think we're six points behind them. So, you know, if, if we don't beat them, it's going really hard for us to catch them, you know, with the amount of games to have got. So, you know, we're always on the front foot looking to win games. So, you know, nothing really changes for us.
1: Okay, and just very quickly as well on priorities. Uh, last week you talked about the cup being your top priority at the moment. You've got a semi-final on the horizon. Uh, presumably your position's unchanged yeah, on that.
0: Absolutely. Yesterday was, it was. I felt yesterday was a big win because I felt it did sort of like that we sucked into an Asian battle. I feel like we've got enough on the board now to do that. But the cup semi-final, you know, winning silverware in men's football's tough. You know, really tough. So this is an opportunity that that. We, Tough games to get to the semi-final. So, Wizzbeach away on Tuesday night, we, you know, we know how difficult that's going to be. But, you know, it, it, for me, it's the biggest game we've got left this season.
1: Brilliant. Well, thanks indeed for your time, Chris, and good luck on Saturday against Easington.
0: Appreciate that. Thanks,
1: Daniel. Chris on there sharing his thoughts after their first win of 2024. That one-nil <laughs> win over Ingsbury Rovers. Well, from an interesting point of view, Chris talks a lot about the cup. Actually, the the um, invitational cup. That's they've got a game against Wisbeach on the way. From a manager's point of view, we saw it happen at Arsenal years ago that a manager came in halfway through a season, Mikel Arteta, and won a trophy in his first half season. Mm. Chris Nunn comes into Histon, could win a trophy in his first half season, and that would be a pretty good result, wouldn't it? It'd be
2: amazing. um, Who who would expect it? Um, When you come in as a manager, it's usually because the other manager hasn't been good enough and the team is struggling. There was so a bit like that, histon. I, mean, I
1: think there's something that we've talked about in the show before was about the you know, results just didn't quite work out for Lance. He just had a bit of a bad run at the end, but he was very gracious when he left. Yeah. He did point out that it was just a case of things, just expectations not being met, but it was nothing personal. Yeah. Happens in football, even at the lower levels, that managers can still lose their jobs. And yeah. Chris Nunn himself lost the job at Rush Diamonds. incidentally, mm-hmm. who were playing Cambridge City soon. Um, over poor results, they were rock bottom of their league and they still are uh, when he left. Exactly. So, But exactly. silverware is something that's that's really attractive, isn't it? At Whatever oh, it level is. you're playing at.
2: It is, and uh, every manager wants that on their CV. Every um, player looking to go to a club always looks at how the club is done. Um, not just how they play, who the manager is, the fans, how big they are, etc. But they always, no matter what level they are, have they won anything recently? Because if they've won something recently, then surely they have some winners in their team, they have a winning mentality and that might fit with what the player wants. So I think winning the Cup, yeah, that'd be amazing for Histon, for him and yeah, for everyone involved.
1: Yep, something that would definitely, certainly bearing in mind they've got this five-year plan as well, two promotions in five years, a trophy would certainly be a good Brucey bonus as they say. So moving on from Histon then, let's talk Cambridge United's women. They're gearing up for a busy week with both league and Cup commitments in the next seven days. They take on Sudbury in the league on Wednesday and then next Sunday. They face, or oh sorry, Sudbury on Wednesday, I should say, Sunday, Sunday and Sudbury getting mixed up there, face Barnsley in the FA Women's National League. That's in a week's time. Both games are at St Neats and Billy's been chatting to their manager, Darren Marjoram, ahead of a potentially season-defining seven days. Marjoram started by sharing his thoughts on the 5-0 win over Actonians last time out.
8: Yeah, brilliant. And and that's what we asked for, was a response. We, we said, um, you know, after the game and during the week, the next week, that we was all disappointed with the result and the manner of the performance. We made too many errors that we wouldn't normally make. Um, and as I said to all the players, you know, I, I'm quite happy to accept that errors happen as long as we make sure they don't happen again because they're no longer an error if they happen week after week. So we asked for a response in training and we got it last week. Um, and then, you know, we want to translate that into a performance on on the Sunday, which we absolutely got. And I think even the manner of of how we came back from being 1-0 down at half-time against the run of play, that could have very easily knocked most teams probably out of their stride and, and, and as I said to the players at half-time, don't change anything you're doing because the performance is good. You've been unfortunate that you conceded a goal when we was down to 10 because we had a player off the pitch. Um, but ultimately, the things we're doing are the things that will get us the win. And I'm absolutely certain if you follow that, that we'll we'll go and score goals. So really pleased, really pleased to bounce back and pleased with the manner of the of the win as well to go and knock off some of that goal difference we'd lost the week before.
9: And were you happy with the manner of the goals, how they came about? And were you happy with the number of chances that your side created? Yeah, really happy, and, and it was interesting because you know, speaking to
8: the players after the game, they were they were all very focused on the fact that we conceded a goal, which was really nice to hear. You know, very easy when when you've won a game that that's to, that easily or that that convincingly. That players will look at how well you've done, but instantly their reaction was, "We're annoyed that we've conceded a goal," which I love. Um, but very happy with what we did. Like I say, the performance first twenty minutes or so, probably we was just a little bit frantic at times. Um, didn't build enough possession we'd have two or three passes and then we'd look to go forwards into into where there wasn't really an opportunity to create Um, but then you know the last 15 minutes or so 20 minutes of the first half and all the way through the second half I thought we played some excellent football Uh, some of the goals were really pleasing how they came about and also the way we finished and finishing has been something we've spoken about a few times where we've had lots of chances and, and not put enough of them away so again really happy that we put more of our chances away and we really did look like a clinical side and I think I said after the Wimbledon game when we spoke, you know, when, when Wimbledon go forward, you always think every time they're anywhere near the box, it's probably going to be a goal, and and we were in a position in that game every time we got near the box, it was I hope we might score. Um, we we did exactly that to Actonians every time we got anywhere near the box. You know, you're thinking this could well be a goal. Um, so I, it was really nice to see us turn it around, not just in terms of re- Bashar resilience from from the Wimbledon game, but to go and actually show
9: how good we really are. I mean Actonians aren't a bad side. And so were you maybe surprised um, you know, with the the level of the win, or was were, were you just happy with the level of performance that your team put in? Yeah, just happy with the level of performance,
8: I guess. Um we, we said before the game we thought it'd be very tough. Actonians are a good side and we've beaten them twice this year, League and Cup, and and both times it was only one goal in it. Um so we thought yet again it would be another tight game. Um but you know i i thought that the way we approached the game was really professional we knew what we had to do we was there to do a job and everybody played a part every sub that came on right the way through to the last sub that came on was jess morley and you know she came on literally just as we was approaching injury time she played a pass which got intercepted but it bounced through to bella and bella scores the fifth goal so you know everybody has literally played a part in that result and um, yeah for me that that was very pleasing and and another good thing was, you know, Abby Smith signing on loan from Ipswich during the week. And that was her first her first appearance. She started the game, scored a goal and played very well. So just, just overall, very happy with the level that we found. And now the challenge that I've set to the players
9: is we've got to find
8: that level again and again, not just once.
9: And how is everyone looking in terms of injuries? Did everyone come through the game okay? And is your injury list looking a little bit better? Because we make a thing about it every week. How long <laughs> <it is. laughs> we do, don't we? Yeah,
8: I, honestly, I, it probably sounds to everybody like I just complained that I've got injuries, yeah. <laughs> and no one else has. Uh, no, it's actually getting better. You know, yeah. we, we are now starting to get a few back. We didn't pick any um any new sort of. Injuries, just a couple of niggles, but nothing more than that out of that game. And we've got no game this Sunday. We've we've, we've got a game on Wednesday next week in Sudbury. So 10-day ten, ten game, game break, um, which is good. It's come at a good time. Alicia didn't play in that game and, and she's now back training this week. So we'd expect her to be available for the Sudbury game. Uh, Koski was away and she's back um so yeah so actually we're looking a lot better and you know we've got a real competition for places now that we've got those players back which is great it's exactly what we want you know after a five one win and then you've got two of your better players coming back in as well um so yeah starting to look like we're we're kind of going to be able to pick the side that we really want to pick
9: will the players coming back from injuries maybe affect your decision if you end up bringing anyone else in or not um yeah so, so i'll be honest we had an opportunity to bring another player in who trained with us for the last
8: couple of weeks and, I, and i've taken the decision not to and, it, and it's really based on the fact that the squad have performed over the last week mm-hmm. 10 days since the Wimbledon game, and gay man. You know, we've got young players like serena cobb who's who's only 17 you know and we, well, what I don't want to do is to compromise her game time because she's a really promising young player coming through and we really do want to be a club that gives young players opportunities. So I've had an opportunity to bring in a player from a championship side and, I, and I've decided not to because the squad I've got, I want to give them a chance. Um, but yeah, the players returning will just make us stronger and say there'll be a competition for places. I'm not going to be able to get everybody in the 16 for
9: the next couple of games. So, you know, that's a that's a tough place to be, but exactly the kind of tough decisions that you want to have. I mean it is a nice dilemma to have though. I mean you've because it means that all the positions on the pitch are filled up and you've got competition all across the pitch. Literally that, yeah. And and that's
8: that's exactly what you need and we haven't had that over the last few weeks and months. You know, it has been a case of you know just as you think you're starting to get a bit of competi- competition for places somebody gets injured or somebody's ill or away uh, and that's how it's looked, you know. So if you take since uh, Christmas, you know, we've We had Brooke in really good form at left back. Then she got injured against Norwich and Ella Marden played really well against Norwich in an advanced uh, position. Um, And then we've had to drop her into left back because we don't have anybody else to play left back. Um, And that's kind of been the story across the pitch in a lot of ways. We've just had to say, well, look, who's available and fit, and and we put them in. Um, Now we're starting to get to a point where I'm having to decide between players who who will play in these positions. And um, that's good for players because they know they've got to perform each week, week in, week out. Otherwise, somebody comes and takes their place.
9: Mm. And how much of, you know, going into the rest of this season is about just getting, you know, as you said, like playing time for those younger players, and how much of it is now building towards next season and seeing if you can mount more of a sustained promotion challenge? Yeah, it's a good question. And that that that's the kind of thinking that's going into it now. So early part of the season,
8: I'd say from beginning of the season right through to December, you know, you, you're literally always just thinking purely about what's in front of you here and now. I'm already now starting to think a little bit about next season, um, you know, not taking our after off the ball in any way in terms of, of right now, because we want to finish as high up this table as we possibly can. Both A, so that, you know, we, we put on the points on the board that we probably deserve to, because we've played quite well at times and not done that. Uh, but also because, you know, finishing high up the league attracts players. So, um, you know, that's the challenge, but ultimately I am now starting to look a little bit towards next season and people like Serena and other younger players that we've got, we're starting to look at, um, you know, which of those will be getting some game time between now and the end of the season. And, uh, they still have to earn it it's not going to get given it's not going to be a case of anybody just gets to to walk in and and play when they don't deserve it but um yeah you know we've we've got players now that are starting to fight for those places younger players and uh, they'll get their chance and hopefully then they cement that chance in the squad for next
1: season Darren Marjoram chatting to Billy there. So, in today's final feature, we're talking about Pledge United. Cambridge United are the first club in the United Kingdom to run a programme specifically aimed at tackling discrimination against women and girls. The Youth Foundation has partnered up with Indonesian-based charity Inspire for the pilot scheme called Pledge United, which has been delivered in peer lessons with pupils from Sancton Wood School. Shortly, we'll hear from Inspire's CEO, John Hamilton, but first, Kieran Wood, a youth engagement officer at the Foundation.
5: I got contacted by Pledge United, or we got contacted by Pledge United and I was put in contact with them to lead a, a pilot study about how we can take this programme which runs in Asia into a UK school setting. Um, so we've taken our background in schools to adapt the, pro- the project um, and yeah, I've just been having the privilege of having six weeks now where we've done it in PE lessons and half an hour of football, go back into change rooms and talk about dressing room behaviour, talk around. Uh, respecting women, the, the banter that might happen on the side that um, is often missed or just let go. Um, so just for me it's been a yeah real honor to just challenge behavior, get them to start having conversations and I know whilst it's my, sometimes it's been frustrating for me not hearing responses in, my, in front of me, I know for a fact that I've, we've been told that they've gone back to school and they're having these discussions on the school bus. So it's making an impact. Um, and yeah hopefully we can see some change in the school and the community what's quite good about the sessions i
1: guess in a way is you're not just having them sit in a classroom and having discussions. you're actually trying to make it interactive as well i'm guessing that's worked quite well both sides of that
5: yeah exactly so it's in their pe lessons so we have to provide pe and football um which is fine um but also as a football club you know that's arguably one of the most toxic can be one of the most toxic environments for for language for abuse um, and we have a real platform working for a Football football club to Firstly get in the door and it allows us to start conversations with the kids love Love the fact that we're a football club so they're engaging straight away. Um, but also then, yeah, like you say, uh, that it's just a different environment and they're a little bit more relaxed, they're more willing and um, yeah, I feel like I've gone off tangent. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's been great it's been really exciting when the pilot started what would you say the
1: core aims of it were and have they been met
5: yes and the core aim is really to challenge the silent majority um you know we've said for a couple of weeks now to the boys in these lessons that we're not saying that these boys are going to be involved in domestic abuse or sexual abuse or whatever it might be they might not speak um in sexist language but they might hear it in a dressing room contest hear it in their sports club or in their school dining hall and they might let it go and they might not challenge it so uh, our aim has been encourage them to think about what it would it mean if they decide to challenge those behaviors and say actually we don't want this behavior to be commonplace in this culture um, and get them to go away and reflect on that so uh, that was the aim i think you've just seen that they've made a pledge to speak out um, you know, it's it's easy to make a promise. Um, hopefully, we can only hope that as the school continue to do this, um, hopefully we come back next year and do it with the current year eights, um, that the culture slowly changes because people just challenge that behavior.
1: That's what I was going to ask you actually about what happens now after this sort of initial pilot, what's the sort of plan for, for the next steps if you like?
5: Yeah, so obviously our next step, our plan is to roll this out again next year. So we did it with year nine. So the current year eights, we'd love to do it, come back this time actually and run it with the, the new year nines um, and just build on each other if you can you know these year you know, the nines by the time they're year 11 hopefully we've had three or four year groups where they've all all the boys have had this lesson and therefore you're slowly stamping out these types of a, this abuse or this silent majority so that's definitely an aim within this school at Sancton Woods going forward I'm not sure um, I would love I've loved this project it has been really good fun to lead but also you can see it's beneficial it has an impact so Rose out in as many schools across Cambridge as possible would be the dream, I guess.
1: John Hamilton is the CEO of Inspire, and he first went out to Indonesia in 2003 to help UNICEF following the tsunami that hit the country. He launched Inspire in 2010.
6: So in 2017, we were working with um, boys and girls within Indonesia. And then there was a um, survey into the level of gender-based violence within Asia. It was done by the United Nations. And it concluded within Indonesia, 26% of men had raped a woman once in their lifetime. 50% of first-time offenders were teenage boys. And the reason why they gave predominantly was for entertainment and entitlement. And so when you put those stats all together, it's a shocking reflection about what it is to be a man and this idea of toxic masculinity. And so then we then thought, well, we need to do something. We predominantly worked with teenage boys because they were the, uh, the people group that played sport, played football. And so then what were we going to do? So then that's when we came started to come up with this program, Pledge United. There was an eight week program that started to teach boys about a different way to live. Uh, and then that program has now evolved and gone to 33,000 boys within Indonesia. And then just last year, we won an award with BMW, the United Nations, and Accenture. And so when we won the award, I then uh, emailed the club and saying, look, would you consider maybe working with us um, uh, within Cambridge? Because we know gender-based violence isn't just a problem within Asia, it's a global problem and so as a result the club said they would love to give it a chance and field test it so that's what we're seeing today and it's been great to be working with Cambridge United
1: So tell me more about how it's going to be carried out then because obviously as we can see here today we've got um, a PE lesson in effect people actually playing football but I understand there's sort of a more uh, classroom based approach to it as well So the idea is to try and get the boys out of the classroom
6: in terms of of talking about these issues. Because if you talk to the boys about these issues in a classroom, they would struggle to engage. So the idea is we play football, then we sit down and we talk football. So we'll ask them questions about what they have learnt during the football session. And then we will go on to have discussions then around the idea of what it is to be a man, the rights of women, uh, the issues of... Uh, gender uh, within uh, Cambridge. We look at some of the stats that um, uh, Ofsted talk about within the UK and the school environment. And then we challenge the boys about their thinking, their perception. And then the second half of the curriculum is there to help young boys become leaders, to become agents of change in their community. The reality is the majority of men and boys will never hit or harm a woman. But for too many of us, we've been silent. We've never spoken up against the, the culture within the school within the classroom, within the team, when the emails have been sent round, when we've laughed, when we've catcalled, um, and we've just been silent. So what we encourage the boys now is to stand up and speak out and speak out against um, these uh, gender-based violence ideals. And how successful would you say the programme has been so far? Within Cambridge, yeah, it's been great to be able to talk to Kieran and the coaches here, to be able to talk to the teachers. And what's been really interesting for us has been that it's been the conversations on the bus back to the school where the teacher has said it's been amazing to hear them engaging with the material, talking about um, how <laughs> they think about the material and then to start hearing that they're kind of change the behaviour and ideals. So we know this is a stepping stone in the right direction, but we're really uh, pleased with how the first stage has gone.
1: John Hamilton there, the CEO of Inspire, talking about uh, Pledge United, which the club, uh, Cambridge United are doing with the charity. So, Max, I want to get your thoughts as well. Just how important is it to run a scheme like this and to actually have this education at a young age about discrimination and how it's not okay to say certain things?
2: I think it's very important. Um, I think it's a great scheme. I'm glad Cambridge United are doing it and hopefully they keep doing more. Um, But I think it's a scheme that's really important for young children because that's when they start really learning about life and what's important and the right values in life. Um, And then they can hopefully take this and influence their peers their families um, to think in the right way and treat people in the right way and most importantly
1: respect each other absolutely very well said indeed Uh, right we're running out of time uh, but thanks for joining us today on from the terraces Max. thank you much indeed for your time and your contributions today and tim armitage will be back in this seat next week have a great rest of your sunday and we'll be back at the same time next week on cambridge 105 radio bye now take care bye -bye.